Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the UK Film Review podcast, or welcome back actually, we've done quite a few of these now. Um, Today's topic is Martin Scorsese, which we're all very excited about, Um, and we're going to discuss all of, well not all of his films, we haven't quite got time for that, Um, although one of our um, guests today, Mr Brian, has seen all of them, is that right Brian? Yeah, I have to say I probably have seen all of them. uh, Every single one. Every single one, somewhere along the way, some more recently than others, but they're films that are easy to revisit and watch again, aren't they? Because that's real quality, really. They are, absolutely. Um, and we've already heard Brian, and I'm also joined today by Rachel Pullen. I'm here. I haven't been on a podcast for months. I'm yes, back. neither have I, actually. So if this is bad, listener, sorry. Um, we're just a bit out of practice. Yeah. I'm and never out of no... practice on talking. I talk all the time to annoy yeah. people. I'm ready got... to annoy <laughs> I've got no excuse really to not to be bad because I've done a few quite recently. So there you go. Right. Well, okay. Um, there's, like I said, there's such a variety to discuss with this topic, really. Um, contrary to popular belief, it's not all about the gangsters and the guns, um, although there is a bit of that and it is great. Um, but we've got sort of multiple areas of crazy. We've got the two big arcs, as I see it. We've got the sort of De Niro collaboration, which was the main famous bit of his career and then his more recent stuff which is Mark Pappy's Leo collaboration with DiCaprio um and I think we've got different expertise levels on those topics um between us which is nice but I think a good way to start perhaps is I'm just going to go right in what's your number one Scorsese Rachel Shutter Island I am 100% a Scorsese fan because of my admiration of Leonardo DiCaprio um <laughs> beautiful aging face I think he's hotter now I've like straight away I've started already on like who's a hot actor <laughs> I can't you have this is a theme um 
But yep. is that is have, that's kind of how you came to Scorsese, maybe almost? Yeah, by... I have a problem with being in love with and stalking celebrities, and I never liked Teenage Leo because let's face facts, Titanic is rubbish. It's literally the worst film. Don't care about it. Wasn't into like any of his younger. Th- wait, wait, wait. Do you like Titanic? Um, actually, I feel like my opinion is possibly more shocking, which is I've never seen Titanic. <laughs> Good. Never watch it. It's garbage. No um, one cares about both. I don't know how I haven't. But it's, it's very funny. long, isn't it? So oh, I've, ne- I've never watched it. But I don't care about I that. I feel film. like you're going to get really? a lot of hate for that. And really, the the worst theme song ever, as well. My heart will yep. go on. If Absolutely turgid. If you watch Titanic in reverse, like VHS style, and rewind it, it's a film about the boat rescuing people from the sea because the boat comes back to the surface. That's how I like to think about Titanic. No, so I never liked young Leo. Uh, it was boring. But then I watched like older Leo because he's sexy now. And then I like started watching things like Shutter Island and all of, like, you know, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. And I think the first one I saw him in was The Departed. And I was like, yeah, he's hot now. But yeah, Shutter Island is <clears throat> sterling. And I'd read the book before I'd seen it. And I was just like, yes, it's it's such an amazing adaptation. It's such an amazing film film within itself so yeah Shuttle Island is I must watch that movie on the regular basis like yes. a lot and it is, it is a very good film and he is a very good, it's a very good performance as well because he is he's more than a pretty face in in you know our Leo um despite the fact Rachel's main metric for um on this podcast <laughs> seems to be how hot the actors are in various films you have <laughs> to admit Leonardo DiCaprio is, he's a he's a hot man he's I mean I think everyone human I think most people have noticed this, to be honest. But it's but it's nice. It's, it's interesting that you know he has this sort of someone like DiCaprio has this fan base, you know, largely based on his sex appeal, probably. Um, and it perhaps draws people to these films, these quite you know weird and dark films that he does do Martin Scorsese. And it is a collaboration that's been perhaps more enduring than maybe you would have thought on the surface of it. Um, I like yeah, the sure. challenge because Leonardo DiCaprio is known for not wanting to have a wife and I'm like challenge accepted Leo I'll crack <laughs> you I'll make you marry me and give me your money and stuff like that like it's a challenge for me come at me Leonardo DiCaprio and he really likes the environment so I once thought about FedExing his agent a box of plastic sharks but then I thought that might be too mental because he was on a crusade to save some sharks at one point but then I was like nope not going to be that plastic, mental this week. Is that not part of the problem? <laughs> huh? If they're plastic sharks, is that not part of the problem? I mean, yeah, he may have been offended by it, but what yeah. I was going to do is just write, I love you on all the little shark bellies. But then again, as I said, I <laughs> refrained from being that crazy at that point. Yes, I think we've got a, a nice insight into Rachel's private life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Me just like, sc- like cutting in I love you into plastic sharks, yeah. just carving out the plastic. <laughs> oh, I could have made him soap sharks. That would have been nice, like carved little soap ones. <laughs> oh, that's so romantic. Anyway, um, Brian, <laughs> what's yes, your yes, yes, Brian, what's your favorite? Well, you're completely throwing me off my strike now, Rachel. Because um, you love Leo. Well, of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I think, but really, though, you've touched on a valid point here insofar that Scorsese is a director. It's a genius. He's the definition of a genius. But it's just as much about the actors that he works with. He's been very fortunate and had a very talented pool of actors who get him. They understand him. They can see what he can see. You could be the greatest director in the world. But if you haven't got actors that can translate your ideas, then you're nowhere. I mean, as for my own f- personal favourite, uh, Scorsese film it's it's impossible it's like choosing between your children isn't it really but I think I would have to pick a De Niro film and that would have to be Goodfellas 
I don't think I could go anywhere else than with Goodfellas. I think it's probably the greatest gangster movie ever made. Mm. The greatest oh, film ever made cool. about organised crime. Uh, and the because it's Well, you see, that's that's the comparison, isn't it? You see, The yeah. Godfather... Very different film, actually. It's a very different film. Yeah. Godfather's kind of poetry. It's very glamorous and very glossy. But what Goodfellas does, it strips away all the glamour and all the gloss and says, right, these characters are extremely unpleasant. They're vicious. They're brutal. They would do anything to get what they want. There's nothing redeeming about them. So there's a brutal truth in the characters portrayed in Goodfellas, which is a true story, let's not forget. And the way they tell the story in Goodfellas, they personalise it because it's Henry Hill, played by Ray Loita, who's telling the story to the audience, so he personalises it. But it doesn't make any excuses for crime. You know, Henry Hill as a character, one of the first lines he has in the film is... I always wanted to be a gangster, right? Mm. Nothing about I had a lousy childhood. Um, I drifted into crime. None of that. I just wanted to be rich. I wanted to be a gangster. I wanted to take the easy way out. And I think there's there's real so much to admire in a film like that that just tells the truth, you know. Mm. It's, it's a fantastic. Film. I think it it's interesting because you say you say it strips back and it shows the brutal realities of it, and it definitely does that. Um, but I do also think there's an extent, it is quite seductive still. I think it does an incredible job, Goodfellas, of um, showing you how and why people do it. You know, it makes no bones about the goods, not the good side of being, of organised crime, but the, the good side for the people doing it. You know, it, 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 it does actually make that lifestyle look quite fun for a while. You know, the, the famous, um, one of my favourite pieces of film ever, the bit, um, the Copacabana scene where the camera follows um, Ray Liotta and um, Lorraine Bracco and they go through the Copacabana, go through the kitchen oh, and everything. Yeah, yeah and that's then, good. Yeah. Then he Me plays on the background. Um, yeah. And it's brilliant because the whole world unfolding in front of him and it's it's that that's kind of the pinnacle of the, you know, this guy's got everything thing before yeah. obviously it falls, it becomes a paranoid mess and there's all the yeah. stabbing and the killing and the horrible yeah. bits. Um, but I think it's just that perfect job of being horrible yeah. and also not glamorizing it, but making you understand it in a different way. Yeah, not making you understand it in a sort of sob story way, making you understand it in a this is fun. They had a great life for a lot yeah. of it before they get killed. Yeah. Way, you know, um, yeah. which sort of brings me to um, what's your favorite Scorsese film, Andy? Well, um, <laughs> I think. Also, Goodfellas probably. Um, it's boring because we've just spoken about it. But I, like you, Brian, I can't. I can't come back to anything else really. Um, it's it's so good. It's so polished at what it does. It's the shortest two and a half hour fi- two and a half hour film I've ever seen. It absolutely whizzes by. Um, yeah. I I'm not. I don't. I don't know if it's his best. I mean, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull are the other two big ones. I would say. Yeah, I think generally it's... critically. Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, Red what are three of the great American movies yeah. ever. I know. I, look, I think Goodfellas is difficult to critique. I mean, we're all film critics, right? But you look, if you were watching Goodfellas for the first time, it's difficult to know where to start in terms of critiquing it because it is so good. You know, he captures the mood and the atmosphere of 1950s New York. That was where he grew up. He grew up in Little Italy in New York. And he's portraying characters that he knew, that he understood. And you kind of know 
that's what he experienced. That's the sort of people that he grew up not mixing with necessarily, but, but getting to know. And he wasn't a criminal himself, but he, he observed the way they behaved. And you just get that sense that it's, it just feels real and it feels right. And also he captures the period perfectly, but he also uses the soundtrack oh, so well. Yeah. On every single film, he's very, very careful about the way he selects songs and with the way he places them on the soundtrack. So I think that's very important as well. He, he is a, I mean, he's he's not the first person to put, you know, contemporary pop and rock on the soundtrack, but he's definitely probably the pioneer of doing that mm. regularly and making that such a key element. Of, I think generally speaking, when anyone, anyone else ever does that in a film, I watch sound like that's a that's a Scorsese thing. That's a Mark yeah. Scorsese trick. It's one of his touches. The moving yeah. camera, the kinetic energy yeah. of the film. That's yeah. a Scorsese thing. And yeah, he's not he didn't invent the idea, but it perfects the it. Amount of needle drops that go on in yeah. those films. Yeah, is is it, huge. It's something you see a lot in Tarantino later on. Yeah, um, he, I think yeah, I think that's a good comparison. I think he perfected that technique, didn't he? Really. Of knowing not just putting a song, not just taking a classic record and putting it onto the soundtrack, but placing it, just putting it in the right place. And that's not as easy as it sounds, because the songs will help to drive the narrative. And that's what he manages to do so well. Imagine if we made Goodfellas now, um, and then we took out all of the music that we're associated with, and we just replaced it with the Macarena. <laughs> and then you watch the movie again. I mean, that would be really interesting to see. I think. <laughs> well, in every, in every, I, you know, in every bit. Every of it. time there's music, you just hear. <laughs> well, they've got the the bodies in the meat truck. Yeah. Hey, Macarena, and everyone's like, oh, the tragedy, and people are welling up in the theaters. Oh god, that'd be so good. And then at the end, they just play "My Heart Will Go On," which we earlier said was talking about uh, Brian's favourite soundtrack. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Movies <laughs> can't get enough of it. Really, Celine can't. Dion gets them. <laughs> you Canadian lady. I don't like Goodfellas. That's <laughs> I had nothing to chime well, in about I, apart from the I, Macarena. I, yeah, no, no, see, we, I, no, 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 that is something. So this is this podcast is not just a Martin Scorsese loving. This is a a dis- frank discussion. What do you not like about Goodfellas? There was that big spaz in the late 80s early 90s about gangster movies wasn't there they seemed to be in that was a thing um and i just i I remember like later on in life i tried to watch a bunch of them tried to watch the godfather got depressed it was rubbish um you know miller's crossing was okay stuff like that uh oh what's carlito's way that's that's all right yeah i don't know i love that film it's yeah it's a good one it's not bad is that Sean Penn or am I being stupid? Yeah, no, Sean Penn. Sean Penn with a really bad haircut. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Goodfellas was just one of the ones that ended up uh, obviously in on the list because it's the big gangster movies. And I don't know, I just, yeah, I didn't really vibe with it. I can appreciate it as to why it's an American classic, why people, you know, they love it. It's that underdog story. And it's interesting to see someone who's literally, like Brian said earlier, I want to be a gangster. That's the whole part of the movie and it? it's like he wants to be a gangster his wife he's like let's let's become gangster people and i know everyone and i'm gonna have money in the bar and everyone thinks i'm great and all that boring stuff but i just personally i didn't really connect in the movie i think i connected mainly with the yeah the the lady friend but other than that i didn't really vibe with the movie it's because there wasn't enough macarena for me (laughs) maybe if i'd watched it at a different time frame where i hadn't watched so many gangster movies i might have like vibed more yeah i mean i yeah i love a gangster i mean yeah yeah sorry the 
you all right? Yes, it <laughs> because said, I don't like the Godfather. The, the problem was no, I was I was talking about, it and then I was I was caught between making two different points, which are completely polar opposites, basically. Um, and then I couldn't say which one to say. One, which is, we always I think people always overstate the extent to which Martin Scorsese just makes gangster films because actually mm. I'm looking through his filmography now so many are not that gangster film. yeah it's yeah. a tiny amount isn't it but the other thing I want to say is he is synonymous with the gangster film as well because he is the king of the gangster film and but I don't he, know why he has done both things in, ah, but there, there are though and it's all the best ones um, <laughs> and that's the thing and it's I, I like a gangster film and I've I've mostly seen his gangs. I haven't actually seen Departed and I haven't seen Gangs of New York. But um, one film I know very well, so I'll have a quick... We'll do, we'll, since we're on the gangster film topic, we might as well carry on mm. with it. Um, mm-hmm. And Mean Streets, which is, I think, overlooked a little bit sometimes. I think Mean Streets mm. is a classic. It, it was not the first Martin Scorsese film, but it was the first major work and that's not to say it's better than the other films to have seen them but it was the first one that really you know people could talk about I think in terms of wow that's a classic American mm. film and that's the one that has so many good new drops it'll be my baby at the start when he puts his head on the mm. pillow um mm. and just jumping jack flash when they're walking through the bar um and then this the guitar like going out of control when um spoiler when Johnny gets shot at the end um, and it's so bloody, and it's you were talking, Brian, about Goodfellas and how it feels real and authentic. And I'm not saying mm. it doesn't; it doesn't feel inauthentic. Mm. But that thing of you can see Scorsese himself in it, you know, and, and mm. he, where he grew up. I think you get that times twenty in Mean Streets. Mm. That's the, the that's the really unglamorous, low level, pretty rubbish gangster. Like they're not good. Yeah mobsters in that film they're small fry they're unimportant they're not very good at it yeah yeah that that's it isn't it they're small time hoodlums aren't they they're like level one thieves aren't they in comparison to the characters that were portrayed in goodfellas but in some ways that makes it in some ways more powerful because i think it's it's a sadder film yeah it is because because they're not it's their chosen path in life and they're not succeeding they're small time yeah and that in some ways is more riveting than those that make it big time, mm-hmm. you know, those that really become good fellas I mean, and become do, made men. Yeah, and you, you know. do feel though, I think you, you feel more for those characters because I don't think, yes, they chose it. We all have a choice in life, I think, to an extent. But also you do feel much more like those characters. That was their lifestyle. That was their area, their neighbourhood. That was, I think it's based a lot on his own experience. I think Martin Scorsese probably was a, did do small time crime stuff. Yeah. When he was younger. He was a big um, coke addict, wasn't he? He was, he was. at one yeah. point. So he's obviously yeah. dabbled with the uh, the underdogs of society, if you will. I, I mean, I don't like to call a drug dealers the underdogs. They're just making money <laughs> yeah. in their own way. Good for them. But like, um, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I have no problem with drug dealing. You're just making money in your own way. You're, you're using your own economy. It's just a different economy. Yeah. But that's a different uh, topic for a different time. But yeah, he was a big coke guy, wasn't he? And De Niro yeah. helped him out when he was in his coke what, pit. Well, <laughs> yeah, I... I think the thing the thing is it's fair to say Scorsese's lived on the darker side of life. He's experienced the dark side, not in a a major way, but enough to, for it to have an impact and mm. to be reflected in the films that he makes. I think Mean Streets was really his first big hit. It was it was his second film. He made a film before that called Boxcar Bertha, mm-hmm. which was like a kind of a, a semi 
Bonnie and Clyde type film. Very good film. But Mean Streaks was the big marker that he laid down. I think that set the tone. But maybe that's why we always associate gangster movies with Scorsese. I think so. I think, sorry, Brian. Um, Karen. I think he, the other thing about him is I think he has told the gangster story, other than The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2 as one story. I think he's told the gangster story perhaps more completely than anyone else has. Because Mean Streets was early on. That's the small fry. That's his own experiences. That's little gangster. And it's not very good. And it's messy. It's quite a messy film. And it's not the clean. It's not the most. It's not as entertaining as Goodfellas. Because it's um, because it's a bit messy. A bit more rough around the edges. It's not mm. lit as nicely. It's not smooth. Yeah. But it's, but it's more real. And then you progress to Goodfellas. And Casino, which is very similar to Goodfellas in style. But it has Sharon Stone. And Sharon Stone's great in that film. But it's mm. similar here's, in style, Casino. Here's the ultimate question. Are you ready? Oh. Mm-hmm. What came first? Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas or Goodfellas the Pizza? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, now right? you're asking. Like, honestly, isn't that the question? Who no, knows? it must it must have come afterwards, surely. Goodfellas yeah. the Pizza. Must have, yeah. surely. Definitely. I mean, I have never eaten a Goodfellas pizza, but if it's anything like the not. movie, Maybe. I won't be impressed. <laughs> well, <laughs> well yeah. Lisa, I'm not enjoying this this um, Goodfellas hate, but <laughs> but I think I'm just you know you have to watch Goodfellas while eating Goodfellas pizza. Is that part of the deal as well? I mean, God, what are we buying into? This capitalism, it's crazy. But there, um, there's a yeah, I think there's a certain amount of uh, stereotyping there though, isn't there, about Italians eating pizzas? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I think the, yeah. the pizza brand is definitely capitalising on that 100. percent Sue them. Yeah. yeah, but just fine. just to finish the gangster conversation because it's not even something that um, Rachel likes anyway. Um, but just to, <laughs> to, to finish that, it's one of the most recent film, The Irishman, um, a very good film as well. I think. Have you seen The Irishman, Rachel? Did you like it? Oh, I don't know. No, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen okay. it yet. Everyone um, keeps talking about it though, and I'm like, I'm willing to give it a go, even no, though I'm not long but it's also really good and it's not how many mm, hours are we talking three here? Because you have oh see now my add hurts <laughs> hurts yeah. sections of my add brain but i've sat through some of the many thousands of godfather films there are in life there's two proper ones two um, two too many my dear but i've got through <laughs> them so i can get through the irishman is a lot quicker um all I'd say about Irishman is I think it's a perfect coming out. I think you go, you watch Mean Streets, then you watch Goodfellas, you watch the Irishman. And I think the gangster story, as those characters, same actors age, and mm-hmm. Scorsese ages, and that story is told almost from beginning to end, from this low-level, small-time crooks to the kind of more glamorous, um, but also brutal height of it mm-hmm. all, to the sad, awful end point. And I think it's a more mature film. It's a more quiet film. Still lots of great music and fun and everything, but it's a longer film. It's just, I think, he's, he's don't, I don't think he's going to make another gangster film again now. Yeah. Because I think it's over. I think he's... I, th- look, I think The Irishman it, it is a good film. I, whenever I sit down and watch a Scorsese film, I have to try and make myself not give the film a free pass because it's Scorsese. Mm. Because mm. I think it's that good. And I try, I try and think, right, I'm going to judge this on its own merits. And I, 
whilst I think it's easier to pick holes in the, the Irish, and one of which is that it is incredibly long, and also the the um, the the, um, the the CGI they use to try and make uh, De Niro look younger mm. seemed to work for about twenty seconds, and all of a sudden it just dropped. But I think I just, it's okay for a bit. I think it's better on Pacino. I think it's better yeah, on I, him. Yeah, so I think there's that side of it. You know, I think it would have been better off to steer clear of that and just not even try and do it. Um, but having said that, though, it is fantastic storytelling. You know, at the end of the day, we're looking for a great story that's well told, and that's what it does. But what I would say, though, is that I, I'm surprised they actually made another film like this. When I say they, I mean Scorsese, I mean De Niro, Pesci, Harvey Keitel. You know, didn't they sit down and say, right, look, we've done this so many times before together. Let's try something totally different. You know, it's it's a film, another film about the mafia. I know Frank Sheehan was a, was the Irishman who was a mafia hitman, but it's still the same territory that they've done over and over again. Mm-hmm. Having said that, it, it's it's wonderful to look at. I think if you can put up with the, the length of the film, um, it's a great watch. It's a great watch because you've got that, sense of alchemy you've got a great director and great actors coming together and it's a perfect storm and it's difficult to not like it how have we not mentioned the departed on our mass oh yeah of moment? course well probably because i've been um talking too much and dominating and i haven't you? seen it that's probably why <gasps> really you've not seen it and you like gangster movies i know um and i was gonna watch it the other day and i just i i had I was, it was late and I wanted to sleep, so I didn't. It sounds terrible. I'm so, we're such terrible podcasters. Reasons um, to like it. Leonardo DiCaprio has a short back and sides haircut, which is very, very appealing to the eye. I like men with short hair. I'm all about that. Other reasons mm. to watch it, there aren't that many other ones. But still, Leo's hair is great, fantastic. <laughs> he looks very sexy. No, in honesty, that is actually a great movie. Uh, it's a remake of another film and the word the name's just gone straight out of my head. In, Infernal Affairs. That's it. Thank Affairs. you. Mm. Um, it's it's a fantastic film. Uh, Jack Nicholson's great in it. You know what I mean? Um, ah, Matt Damon's in it. But what I like about it in the gangster movie is obviously uh, it shows the the police involvement side. It's from the police involvement perspective, whilst having the juxtaposition of having the the gangster perspective. And no one is who you think they are. Dun dun dun. Which is what I imagine a lot of gangsters feel all the time. You're always looking over your shoulder. You don't know who to trust. Anyone could be tapping wires and phones. Oh, it's a tragedy. Do you know what I mean? You can't send a fax. Who knows who's going to receive it on the other end? Drugs are everywhere, you know? And so it's that constant looking over your shoulder, which I think people miss out on in gangster films sometimes. You see the rise, you see the fall, but The Departed really tapped in on the old police being shady, which I think all police are. Dun, dun, dun. More conspiracies <laughs> from me today. <laughs> Everyone's up to get you. Um, but yeah. You have to go watch it. Leave this podcast now. Go watch it. Me and Brian will just talk about uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's right. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've seen it, and it is a brilliant film. Mm. really is. Did I you mean, like Leo's hair? I think Leo's hair was okay, but it wasn't the major thing on my mind, really, Rachel, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, the but well, look at it this way, right? Scorsese's got nine nominations, Oscar nominations for Best Director. He's received nine nominations for Best Picture. What? He only got he only got Best Director and Best Picture for one film. Do you know Which what movie? that was? No. The Departed. Mm. <gasps> Out of those nine nominations, it's the is it the haircuts? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was it the haircuts. 
it could just be that it's a, it's a fantastic piece it of is. filmmaking at the end it of the is. day. You know, so I think yeah, I think it's one of his best films. It it you would you would put it in his top five films, Scorsese, easily. You've okay. got to go watch it now. You can't be tired. Yeah, no, later. I know, I know, but yeah, okay, okay. I'll watch The Irishman and hurt my brain. I'll probably do 50 Rubik's Cubes whilst watching it to try and stay in the moment because of the ADD. (laughs) And you watch The Departed. We'll leave this podcast now. We'll go away. There's no chore. I'm happy to watch it. I just... um, time too many films too many films but um i like matt damon's sexual inadequacy storyline in that which is really good enjoy that bit okay I will. it's really subtle but it's really interesting at the same time because he's an angry alpha male and he can't you know he has uh erectile issues and it's just hilarious to watch him take that out on people unnecessarily (laughs) get angry yeah he's like oh i can't satisfy my wife i'm gonna go shoot some gangsters and it's just like cool okay Whatever. <laughs> I like um, that bit a lot. It's true. I'm trying to like segue and he's, he's very resistant to segue. Um, Who is me? Yeah, no, just what, what you just said. Um, oh, wait, I can segue this one. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's a good point. Wait, no, can I segue this one? Have you, you got a segue? Seg- you do not know what I'm trying to segue to. No, I was just going to make up my own. Okay, go on. No, 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 I don't know. You segue first, please, please. No, I, I don't have a segue. The segue, if you don't have a segue, what you do is you say, oh, I can't segue to this, so I'm not even going to try. And that's, All right, I've got one. Leonardo DiCaprio's hair is good in The Departed, not unlike the terrible haircut of Nicolas Cage in Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead, if anyone's seen that. I, again, haven't, but it's sort of bringing me to the sort of area I was thinking of looking at next. The Which, white I mean, look, we can talk about what we want, but seen as we're saying he's not all about the gangsters, one thing he very much is about is sad men. <laughs> um, <laughs> sad, lonely, but, paramedic men. But in a, in, a, in a positive way. I mean, I haven't seen Bring Out Dead, but I know it's about a sad man. Um, he's a sad man. But in, in particular, I mean, we're talking the two, the other two big, big ones, Taxi Driver, Raging Ball, incredible films. And then you've also got King of Comedy. You've also got, um, I mean, Bringing Up Dead. Um, and you, you look at these films and um, it's not just about sad men in the sort of, oh, you know, I'm feeling sorry for this guy. There's, his films, interestingly, for someone who had been criticised for the lack of women, the lack of strong female roles in his films, which is, you know, quite probably a reasonable critique. Um, his films are very male. They are very white. Um, and that's you know something that's, that should be ignored. But his films do have a very interesting take on masculinity. I think um, someone asked him about um, Alice doesn't live here anymore once, um, and which many regard as quite a, like strongly feminist film. And he said, "I think my most feminist film is Taxi Driver because I think his, his logic he said because it takes masculinity to its logical conclusion, which is." I think mm. in his argument, Travis Bickle, um, which is horrifying. But I think it is interesting that he he dissects male jealousy and male rage, and male um, a, a male propensity to be in charge and to be important. 
Raging uh, Bull certainly covers that, doesn't it? Raging Bull is so mm. that. It's not a film about boxing. It's a film. It's about... a film about a man getting mad at his well, wife and thinking she wants to have sex with everyone. Exactly. Well, it's a film about jealousy you... and masculinity. Well, yeah. do you know though, Raging Bull? Um, yes, it's a film about Jake LaMossa, who was a a boxer. But in in that film, the film lasted for two hours nine minutes. I think there were twenty minutes of boxing. Yeah. in two hours it you know it was about boxing but it wasn't it's more about the impact yeah. that this that being part of a brutal pugilist sport had on mm. him as a personality as a character and the effects it has on his wife and, and his brother and you know everyone else around him and I yeah. think in a strange way, like even though we joked about the sexual inadequacy of the um, Matt Damon's character in The Departed, that does also immensely show that because in the movie, obviously, I don't, I don't ruin too much for it mm. for you, but he, um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is having an affair with his wife, I believe. And right. so then there's all of that sort of demasculization and jealousy. And then, you know, that fuels a lot of the anger and the rage between these two characters. And again, it's it's again, yeah, looking at men's jealousy and struggles and inadequacy in an alpha male dominated environment. And what is more alpha male than the gangster movies? Because they're definitely what encompass that sensation of being this is, the top This is dog. the thing. I feel like the alpha male, the, the irony is I think the alpha male mentality that Scorsese, I think, is quite often critiquing and dissecting in his films mm. is the same people that really like Goodfellas, you know? I think a lot the of pizza people... or the movie. <laughs> Both, probably. Um, I think Love I think that a lot thin of people. Crust. I imagine quite a lot of people. And again, another one. I haven't seen enough of his recent films. Wolf of Wall Street. Um, oh. The impression I get from a lot of people is that a lot of people have watched the Wolf of Wall Street and didn't really get that he was trying to critique this world. I think some people watched the Wolf of Wall Street and thought Jordan Belfort was a man to be admired. I read the, the book of the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I read the book of the Wolf of Wall Street on a plane, and I was just like, "This guy is so desperate to be somebody." When I remember reading it, mm. um, that he went to all those extremes to get money, to get women, to get cocaine, to get drugs, to get power, and then to watch Scorsese obviously read the same book and speak to Jordan Belford in, in real life and things. And then completely 100% encompass that with his filmmaking was genius because mm. there was quite a time gap between the book and the film. Shame of Shutter Island, actually. And just I remember reading it thinking, wow, this guy is, is an air quote, in his mind, an alpha. He wanted to be an alpha. Like he talks all the time about wanting money and it making his life so much better. But then it obviously failed him and it didn't make his life better. But Scorsese, he was the best director for that kind of character to be put on screen, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think. Also, yeah. You know, sorry, sorry, I haven't you. seen it. You go, you go. What? No, you've not well, seen The Wolf of Wall Street? We just said that. You just shouted at me that, like two minutes ago. <laughs> oh, I've got to shout about so many things. I don't have time. There's, there's Leonardo DiCaprio, haircuts, pizzas. I can't keep up with this. You've not seen Titanic, which is a good thing. I'm stressed. You've got to watch The Wolf of Wall Street now. Yeah. The, the Wolf of Wall Street, I, I loved. But I think it's actually very funny, though. Yeah. It's hilarious in places. And, you know, they, they always say there's a huge gulf between a book and a screen adaptation. So I've not read the book, so I can't comment. But to me, that character, the template for that character, in, in many ways, was Gordon Gecko in, in Wall Street, mm. wasn't it? But mm. he comes across a, a much more likable and funnier version of Gordon Gecko. 
to me. That's the way they're portrayed on screen. That's the way it seems to me. But, um, you know, the type of film that, that just goes by in a flash when you're watching it, you know, you don't notice time when you watch a mm. film like Wolf of Wall Street. And that is a sign of a great film. I will say from reading Shutter Island and The Wolf of Wall Street years before either of the films came out, uh, Martin Scorsese is, is for book adaptations, very, very, very good. Very Which is good. interesting because he doesn't do that many of them. Yeah, and the well, two he's done, I would say, are easily up there in, in some of my top movies that I've ever seen. Shutter Island is a book. Again, it's the sadness of a man, isn't it? Because he killed mm-hmm. his wife and there's all that longingness and loneliness. And he's also a cop. Have you noticed how there's that theme of these men being in positions of power? Mm. And, you know, and he's he's also then discredited as a cop because he's in the he's in a psychiatric ward and all these other kinds of things. And the melancholy and the isolation that he feels in the book is is so well portrayed on screen and adapted mm. on screen. And I think um, not just by having it set on an island, but the way Scorsese chose the locations and the huge towering buildings and the vast nature. And he does a lot of um, like, you know from air shots and panning shots when you're sort of entering the island or moving around the island. So you can really see how small uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and what's the name of the other character who's his doctor? Ah. Oh, um... oh he's a, he was he played the Hulk in the oh, Mark Ruffalo. Thank you. Because <laughs> Mark <laughs> Ruffalo is really good in that. And and when you see he's them, really... two, two little people on that island and, and you just go, Scorsese, captured that feeling from the book mm-hmm. of just the, the complete and utter isolation he felt on the island. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was absolutely superb. And yeah, I agree with you, Brian. The Wolf of Wall Street is actually really funny. And I think if you watch that, I think watch that over The Departed because it's it's mm. such a... Is it quite sad as well? Because I think a thing I'm getting from, or I get from a lot of these films that he makes about, I mean, Taxi Driver I haven't spoken about a lot, but that's a, that, like you said, it's, it's parallel with Wolf of Wall Street because the tagline for Taxi Driver, isn't it? Um, on every was it on every on every corner of every street in every city, mm. there's a nobody who dreams of being a somebody. Mm. Definitely Jordan Belford, yeah. yeah. That's definitely it's, yeah. it's Travis Bickle. It's it's a, it's a lot of these, but it's definitely um, what's his name? Is it Rupert Pupkin in King of Comedy? Have we seen King of Comedy? No, I've not with, seen it. Yeah, well, which actually, it, but, yeah, it's very underrated. Actually, King yeah, of Comedy. It's it's not one of one of his bigger hits either critically or commercially, but a very good film that it's really deserves more of an airing, I think. Possibly one of his saddest films. And I think he, he has this way, of, he, he completely just deconstructs and attacks sort of toxic masculinity whilst also having a deep, I think, sympathy for it. Not sympathy mm. for, not not sympathy as in a prom- promotion of it, but sympathy as in a sadness to these characters. He finds the horror in people and finds the sadness in all of them as well. Even in Goodfellas, well, I feel a bit sorry yeah. for some of them. He, he doesn't endorse those characteristics necessarily. No. He just portrays it. He just projects it, doesn't he? That's yeah, all. he doesn't endorse them. He just um, sort of looks with sadness and mm. a keen eye. But also with en- entertainment. I mean, you would, let's, if people don't mind, should we go back to Shutter Island briefly? And yeah. the fact that I'm looking, I've got here, this whole time I've had sort of the list of all his films up. And I'm seeing there's not, he doesn't make an awful lot of stories if that makes sense. He makes a lot of, you know, gangster films and epics. He makes films about one man and taxi drivers about something. They're, they're usually about toxic masculinity or men and violence and um, crime and Catholicism and guilt and all that. He doesn't do that. Island almost stands out from the crowd in being more, less, 
um, thematic and just it's just a, a straightforward thriller in a way. And there is a I lot think... of going on, but yeah, I think it's interesting that he doesn't seem to make as many kind of straightforward plot-driven films in quite the same way. I think of all the the male alpha male characters we're looking at here. Um... Teddy Daniels, I think, is the name of the mm. lead character in Shutter Island. Yeah. Um, I think he's the most of all the male characters who's the least male and dominant. And the the actions he does when he kills his wife, he does because she's already done something bad. She'd killed the children. She was already chronically insane, as we found out, you know. So I think you're the he's the character you're most drawn to empathetically. I think and he's a, yeah, he's a hero almost. He is, he's he is a, isn't he? And Everyone you, else is an anti-hero. In yeah, and even like in The Wolf of Wall Street where he's just a guy who sort of like fiddles with the stocks, there's scenes in it where he hits his wife. You see him um, trying to steal his child and getting his kid into a car accident. There's there's times where you really sort of go, Ugh, you know, and you, you, you shy away from his charming, charismatic um, persona. But in the shut yeah, in Shutter Island, it's it's he's just a lost soul. He's just a man who's been dealt a tough hand and ended up somewhere else, you know, to deal with that tough <clears> hand. <throat> and that's not a lot what you see with Scorsese. And maybe that's why to me it stood out, I mean, as one of the best films. It's it's such an interesting tale to tell. Yeah. I and think- done very well. I think it does stand out for that reason, because isn't it tr- fair to say that Scorsese often plays safe though? with the films he makes. You know, following on from what I was saying earlier on about The Irishman, where he sticks to familiar territory. Mm. And it's, it's the same with anything. You know, if you stick with something you know, you're comfortable with it, you're familiar with it, but you're almost you're almost sort of drifting into formula, formularized territory, aren't you, really? Because when you arrive at a formula, something that works, the first thing you should do is break it, because formulas are too safe. And if anything, if I'd yeah. criticise Scorsese for anything, it would be that he plays too safe and he sticks with uh, themes and characters that are familiar to him. That said, is that perhaps, again, a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy in that we remember most the films where he does that because he because yeah. he's done it and because it's a great formula and we love those films. They're the most famous, most popular films. And we perhaps forget about Kundun and... Yeah. Um, you know, and all his documentaries and Hugo and Silence. Yeah. You know, I think maybe because they're not his most popular, or perhaps maybe sometimes not his best films, yeah. we maybe forget about them. Um, but the, the other thing, and again, I haven't seen many of them, these ones, but it is another theme. If Brian, maybe particularly, you, I know you've seen it all, the sort mm. of, um, I mean, religion and Catholicism in particular, big mm. things. Faith is a big thing for Scorsese. Yeah. And you can see, I'm sure you can pick out themes in his films. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, right, you've got your gangster ones there, you've got your sort of yeah. sad, lonely man, and then you've yeah. got your Last Temptation of Christ, um, Kundun, you've got. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. 
Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The silence most recently. The, these are all yeah. um, very faith-based dramas, aren't they? Well... It's interesting that you, you mentioned sort of faith and religion. I mean, he almost went into the seminary, didn't he? Or he yeah. was in the seminary for a time. So he could have followed the priesthood. So, and I think that is really strong. There's, that's a strong sort of strand of thought in what, what he does. And that it's still there, that teaching, that learning, that uh, sense of belief, that theologic, theological sort of approach to his work, you know, that... It's there. You can sense it. It's there. It's another thing that hasn't quite kind of deserted him. It will always be there. It's a strong, it's a strong link, isn't it, for him? Just in the same way that the gangsters that he portrays on screen are reminiscent of the people that he knew, that he grew up with. It's something that he's very close to and very familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen? I'd hate to be a priest because I wouldn't want to wear the same outfit every day. It'd well, be proper depressing, wouldn't it? Like, imagine if you didn't suit robes. Like, you know how some people don't suit, like, pastels or knitwear, and you're just like, sorry, yeah. I don't suit robes. They just make me look a bit boxy. And then you well, can't be a priest, and that's it, done. Well, you have to make sure you get promoted, because if you get to become a cardinal, mm. you get different colours. You get to wear <gasps> reds and purples, don't you? You know, I do look good in a red and purple. Yeah, there you go. So, but yeah, I absolutely hate organised religion. So is it really uh, worth it? <laughs> Bit, bit of a drawback then. You I might could be just handicapped. Work for pizza Hut or something instead. Yeah. 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 Um, and looking at this then, if because like I said, I was sort of picking out, you know, themes and topics, but he's he's all over the place in a way. You, there's there's some clear, there's some very clear, very obvious through lines here. But then you look at it, and there's just the odd thing that pops up. Is that oh, Hugo, he did a he did a kids film. Yeah, he did. He does. He does. A, he does a kids' film. He does um, uh, Age of Innocence. He does a costume drama. He does mm. a Color of Money. He does a sequel to a film that wasn't that famous in the first place. That, he did bring take, out the dead, which he makes no take sense. Fear, like, yeah. what's his thing? New York, New York. I mean, well, the, the, oh, you've raised lots of issues there. A big you know, band musical, that. you know. Um, New York, New- I just like to think about Martin Scorsese off his face on cocaine running around like a maze well, at a castle or something and no one can catch him. Well, specifically, well, the- New York, New York was cocaine, Marty, wasn't it? I think yeah. New York, New York was a mess because... That- well, <laughs> I need part to of the see reason- that one. <laughs> Actually, New York, New York is a much better film than people give it credit for because... Yeah, I enjoyed it. it was a it's tri- very long, though. Wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait. It- once again, how long? Well, I don't think... It's... I'm checking. It's two hours and 43... The, That's quite long. The thing is, it's, a, it's a similar length to Goodfellas, but it, from my memory, which was a while ago, it felt a lot longer than Goodfellas. I, I think, look, if you're a fan of musicals, it will work a lot better for you because it is a tribute to the classic yes. Broadway musical era, but it kind of married to a Scorsese kind of approach to filmmaking, and it bombed, and it, it was it mainly blamed on uh, Scorsese's spiral in, into drug abuse, and it was... It, was um, Raging Bull that saved his life. So, so it, yeah. so it goes. Yeah, that's yeah. Crazy, they convinced him to do it, and he was like, "No, no, no, I don't know anything about sports or something." Yeah. And De Niro yeah. was the one who was like, "Come on, stop 
doing the drugs. Yeah, Let's make Daria a boxing movie. was basically movie. over because New York, New York was a, which is mad to think that you know. So he made Mean Streets and Taxi Driver. That was it in terms of he doesn't. He's not going to my door box for both Alison Olivia anymore. But in terms of the classic and big successes, I think he did Mean Streets and Taxi Driver, then blows it in New York, New York, and that's it. And if if Raging mm. Bull hadn't come along, arguably we said it, it didn't have um, there are a lot of boxing in it, and that's true. But I think mm. the box the the boxing scenes are amazing and the incredible. Mm. I think in terms of a technical achievement, just in terms of the you know, visually, cinematically, filmically, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's possibly his best film. Mm. I think it, it's, it's it's beautiful. It's breathtaking, uh, yeah. Raging Bull. I mean, the yeah, way that... oh sorry, Brian, no, you go ahead. Now, what I was going to say is the way the boxing scenes were filmed, it was almost like they were a series of self-contained short films yeah. that were put into the main the main body of the film. But they were treated with so much care and attention that they were captured as short films. That's the way I would see them. They were very short, though. Fight sequences were maybe two or three minutes at a time, yeah, maybe even less. But it made them more effective as a result. Sorry, Rachel. No, I was just going to say the same thing. The... the the scenes with the boxing it was like it was like dancing it was it was very poetic it was mm. very beautiful and um mm. you know there was something about it and as someone who went into it and i don't like boxing movies and i was kind of like eh, shrugged it off when i was you know originally presented to watch it but then i ended up falling in love with the movie because it's it's even if you don't absolutely love it like say how i feel about like shutter island or wolf of wall street you can 100 percent sit there and go this is such a beautiful film to watch like even when he's mad at his wife all the time or jealous and possessive and stuff you can still appreciate you know that's the joy of scorsese if he, even if he makes a movie that you don't really enjoy mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can appreciate scorsese's approach yeah. to stuff yeah taxi driver is no fun but it's brilliant yeah, yeah, and it's it's like we were saying about Wolf of Wall Street. You're watching this very bright and colourful and funny film that's a, that's addressing very bleak topics, you know, drug abuse and spousal abuse and all that other kind of stuff. So that's just Scorsese. I mean, does he hate men or is he just trying to <laughs> capture something that he can't express himself? Maybe he is a really lonely man. This is the, this is the thing because again, I don't want to wade in too much on this because his films do lack a lot of like properly like large roles for female characters um and he just doesn't seem interested really he seems interested only in men but not in making what i would describe as male films he seems interested only in sort of interrogating masculinity all the time the thing is as a woman that's his realm isn't it yeah, as from my point of view as a woman, yeah. it, I don't really understand when people get really uppity about a director mm-hmm. not including women because Scorsese is, a, you know, Scorsese is developing and almost attacking, as we were saying earlier, like that alpha male syndrome, that masculine, tox, toxic masculinity and stuff like that. And as a woman, I find that incredibly important to mm-hmm. be addressed because the more we address um, society's sort of like desire for men to not be able to be emotional or be expressive and feel like they have to have this toxic bravado is that not in a way helping us all to become more equal just as women want to you know become equal in the world through fair wage and you know blah 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 um i just shun off feminism with just blah 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 just blah 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 issues <laughs> no, i know exactly what you mean though i think yeah you know we're also then helping it? men yeah by yeah. saying you know dude look if you don't if you wander around and act like jordan belfort in the wolf of wall street you're going to end up mad like teddy daniels in shutter yeah. island you need to yeah. find that time to talk yeah. and not be lonely because a lot of men are lonely because they can't express how they feel which i think is 
it's definitely a raging ball moment. He just oh, can't yeah. express just, that jealousy yeah. he feels. He feels so inadequate all the time. And I think also, I think you make a good point. I think also the thing is, it's and it's perhaps a limitation of his filmmaking, his limitations as a genius, perhaps, mm. that he um, he doesn't write, you know, that have that many strong like female characters in his films, perhaps because his way of, of making films that he th- he's described himself as, you know, his films as feminist, but in his way of doing it is via critique of masculinity. Because, you know, the yeah. thing is, if you write a film and he says, you know, okay, I'm going to have an old female cast or something, he, if he doesn't write women well, or he doesn't actually write them in his films, but, you know, if that's not his ballpark, you might, you can get it more wrong, you can do more harm than good, you know. People try and make films about white people, try and make films about race and get it horribly wrong sometimes, you know. Yeah, I think it's perfectly like I don't see any problem with, you know, Scorsese's approach. And if he can get like, you know, another hundred movies out of exploring sad, tortured, you know, jealous men, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Because you you, you need to see that on the screen just as much as you need to see female powerful lead roles you know I, yeah i think the problem Both is are equally for, as important i think the problem is that for a long time i guess all we saw was my was sad his, men crying was my, on screen was martin and his mates doing that and that's all very well but it doesn't have the desired effect if you don't also let women make films and women lead do you films. think he's but that's not necessarily his fault do you so, think he's traumatized because he tried to make a musical and it nearly ruined his career and now he's like nope <laughs> Nope. Stick be, to the sad stick, crying stick to, men stick because if anyone sings and, and dances. I think but hasn't it always been an issue generally with filmmakers though that they often don't write strong roles for female characters. That's yeah, often the way, isn't it? The, the, that's a, because they've often been men as well. That's yeah, yeah. That's right. Because because the movie industry traditionally has been been controlled by men. Yeah. The vast majority of directors in the classic classy classic Hollywood era were men majority of the writers were men and it's it's taken a while for it to, to balance up a bit more but you know provided the director makes valid points about life which is what they're trying to do then there's something in that there's something of value there but i think you're trying to pursue uh some a very lofty ideal when you want to portray uh strong female characters against strong male characters it's not easy to do yeah I because think... they're not they're not easy characters to write at times i don't think yeah, I I'm mean, going to no become easy... a director just yeah. so I can become a strong female director, but I'm only going to cast people that I think are sexy <laughs> to see how that's going to play out. And then they're my own personal puppets. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so who'd be top of your casting list? Does male it... role lead? Your male role lead? I mean, do oh, I need do to you know ask? what's the problem? Like, we never discuss him because he's never in any films that we've ever discussed, right? But does everyone know who Ben Foster is? I know Ben Foster, ben? yeah. Ben Foster. Oh, young Ben Foster. Not, not the Watford goalkeeper, Brian. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the only Ben Foster I know. No, he's wait, in... Wait, wait, wait. Have you never seen, like, um, he's, he's in, an alpha dog? He's in Leave No Trace, which is a very good film. Um, he's in 310 to Yuma, 30 Days a Night. By Deborah Granick. Oh, I think I know what you mean. He's got yeah. a shaved head, bald head guy. Yeah, yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Right, I'd have Ben Foster or Norman Reedus or Leonardo DiCaprio. Now, the thing is with Norman Reedus, although he's very sexy, I don't know if he can actually act because I think he accidentally got into Hollywood and he's just getting away with it. Like, what, <laughs> I've never seen is... Norman Reedus. Has Norman Reedus made, a, made anything that isn't The Walking Dead? Yeah, he's made tons of films. He was in a oh, bunch of like B-rate horror movies back oh, in I the day. I haven't seen them. 
Um, but I think he got there by mistake because the only way he can act is like Daryl Dixon in The Walking Dead. That's not a character. That's just Norman Reedus acting. Right. There's nothing else to it. There's no more dimensions. Don't start thinking these movies, you're going to see someone else. You're just seeing <laughs> Norman Reedus as a person reading a script, right? <laughs> but he's beautiful. But like, I can't. I think it would be a hard toss. I'd have Norman Reedus sort of hanging around in the background, looking confused and squinty-eyed like he does. And then my key players would be Ben Foster and Leonardo DiCaprio. And as for women, oh, who's sexy? Young 90s Angelina Jolie. Bring her back in the 90s. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. I don't, want, I don't want Angelina Jolie now. I've had kids and I'm sad. <laughs> I want 90s Billy Bob Thornton. Let's wear each other's blood around our necks. Yeah. Angelina Jolie. Right. She's sexy in the 90s. <laughs> Bring her back. Who would you cast as your sexy leading lady, Brian? Oh, I don't know. I like Charlie Theron, actually. She was hot in films that weren't Mad Max and Monster. <laughs> she was Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale as well. Really? Yeah, cast her yeah, in a decent film. Hot-y. Yeah, she's yeah. quite hot. What about He's you, Andy? Be- oh, I think I like Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale is very good and very sort of got that sort of charming, witty vibe going on in mm. uh, Love and Friendship. Has anyone seen Love and Friendship? No. Oh, Jane Austen adaptation with Kate Beckinsale. Um, ah, yeah. And yeah. and she's very good in that. But she's also not in a Martin Scorsese film, um, which no. apparently was what we were talking about. Although at the start yeah. of this, we we went on a very large tangent about Titanic. So who knows? Oh, it? I just Googled who Kate Beckinsale because I was like, she's the girl from Underworld, isn't she? And she is. Yeah, she's a sexy choice. Yeah, she'll do. Mm. We'll have her. Good. In yes. my imaginary film. We're agreed about that. Good. Yeah, yeah, we've we all have... agreed. It's Norman Reedus in the background and Kate Beckinsale making out with Leonardo DiCaprio while Ben Foster just does the Macarena. <laughs> but getting back Green to Scorsese, though. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Um, um, but no, so we've, we, we've, hit, we've hit on um, a, lot of, a lot of points here, really, haven't we? Um, mm. But I guess there's more sort of just sore thumbs that stick out just anomalies almost um i mean bringing out you tried to talk about bringing out the dead earlier rachel and i sort of spoke over you so how dare you do you want to talk more about bringing out the dead because it's a film that fascinates me i watched it and like the strange thing is when i was watching it is i was like is this a david lynch film it just had that david lynch directing vibe it was moments where i was taken out of it and i didn't feel like it was a scorsese film and then you're watching a sad man and you're like oh yeah we're definitely watching a scorsese film as Nicolas cage does drugs and sees ghosts and hates uh, a lot of people but yeah he's just a paramedic on the edge isn't he he's really just like he can't get over the death of one person that like you know he came across on his rounds and he just just goes and spirals and drinks whilst trying to save people's lives it was chaos it's just chaos and I loved the energy of it and Nicolas Cage is the perfect casting for that John Goodman's in it as well isn't he Mm. Uh, Brian, you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, John Goodman's in it. It's, I it's actually... love John Goodman. I, I want John, Goodman, John to... Goodman to. I yeah. want him to crush me to death. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I think about that sometimes. I think, like, if I wanted a man to crush me to death, I want John Goodman to do it whilst eating, like, a burger on top of me or something. Uh, right. Do you mean sort of cuddling you to death? No, just, just like, just crushing cr- me. Really? Oh, wow. That would be sexy. I'd find that oh, sexy. Okay. And he's just oh, eating yeah. at the same time. Maybe he gets a good fella's pizza out just to keep a theme. 
And I just have Ron John Goodman just oh, there's something nice about being crushed by people. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't you, know. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks that. I think you are. Yeah, I think so. Has anyone seen um, The West Wing? Well, the TV show. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that. Seen, yeah. No one got crushed in it though, Andy. N- no, but Ma- John, <laughs> Goodman, John Goodman's in it though. And I don't remember that. Yeah, he's in it. This is this is what I'm trying to get to. John Goodman's in it for like uh, two episodes. When, is he wearing a suit and a tie? The, yeah, the president <gasps> is. Um, what he, something happens to Jed Bartlett, and he can't be president for like a little while, and then and they get like a sort of other president in, and he's John Goodman. And the, the, right, I'm the, going to just guess that the president can't be present for a while because of cocaine binge, which is the theme as well as Goodfellas Pizza. Possibly. I mean, that's what it would be awesome. in your film. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, it's like a pan up to him and it's sort of like the man enters. And the other thing where it doesn't reveal someone's face. Yeah. And I'm like, who can this be that it's a good fit, you know? Because we don't know the character yet. So it's not going to be like, oh my God, it's this person. It's just a random person you've never seen in the show before. Who can mm. it be that they're going to pull off the hole with not showing his face? And it's John Goodman, like, yeah. But it's John works. Goodman wearing a Bill Clinton mask and then he whips out a saxophone. <laughs> I would watch that. I don't know, John Good. there's something about... Di- didn't John Goodman <laughs> lose a load of weight and then, like, just it got really depressing? I was like, don't lose weight. That's not what you're here for. It's part of it, yeah, it's part of who he is. Yeah. John, John Goodman's, you know, he's, he's a very, very good actor. And I'm surprised that he's not featured in more Scorsese films. A bit like Nicholas Cage. He was Cage. very good. Yeah, he was really good in Bringing Out the Dead. And yeah. I was kind of personally shocked to see him in a Scorsese film. I was like, oh, you've cast him. You know, yeah. awesome. He's... he's a great actor. Yeah, but you see, that's the thing, though. But that band, that pool of actors we were talking about at the beginning, that is part of the Scorsese set, if you like. You know, it's surprising that, you know, uh, someone like John Goodman, someone like Nicolas Cage hasn't been in there more often, like like De Niro, like Joe Pesci, like Harvey Keitel. They're not regulars, are they? Or DiCaprio as well they're not regulars just in the yeah. same way that he only worked with paul newman on one occasion in color of money which i think was a really underrated film i think it's crazy he hasn't worked with nicholas cage more because nicholas cage can play the insane man the sad man you know the various just insanities that he pulls off on screen very very well i don't know if anyone's ever seen vampire's kiss where he's completely bonkers in that movie <laughs> and thinks he's a vampire yeah. and he's so desperate and lonely and wandering around mm. with no one thinking he's a vampire. Do you know I mean, Nicolas Cage can pull that off. So it's, it, I think he was really good in bringing out the dead. I will say mm. I really actually loved that movie and, and for all mm. its insanity, I think it was brilliant, but it didn't feel like a Scorsese. It felt like a David Lynch film, which I'm not complaining yeah. about, but it just, yeah, it didn't feel, and Patricia Arquette was in it and she's really fantastic. And yeah, like, I was surprised to see her and, she seems like someone who could fit in a Scorsese film quite well, and she did a great job. Good old Patricia Arquette. What happened to her? Don't see her that much anymore. She's oh, she was in um. She was an Oscar for uh, Yeah, she was in that TV show recently on Amazon Prime, um, The Pact, I think it was. Oh, the biopic oh. pick of that woman who um, has Munchausen by proxy. If you haven't seen right. it, it's good. Check it out. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Stay do, yeah. in the wheelchair, child, and get me money. That's the whole TV series. You don't need any more. <laughs> well, that doesn't hook you in. Nothing will. Nothing will. I should just become up with taglines. Stay in the wheelchair. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I guess something we haven't touched on yet, actually, is he's made a, a quite a large number of documentaries. I don't know mm. if anyone... I don't know if when you said you've seen everything, Brian, whether you were counting documentaries... 
I've um, I've seen a fair number of them. Yeah, um, but he's particularly he's a he's a he's a music man. He's a rock blues and rock guy. Didn't he do one on George Harrison? Or am I? He did a George yeah. Harrison documentary. Okay. He made concert films for the band The Last Waltz, yeah. and he did Last the, Waltz is good. Um, yeah, uh, Rolling Stones Shine a Light as well. But I I think though documentaries require a different skill from a director. Yes, because they can't put their own their own motifs onto a documentary because you're hemmed in by convention because with documentaries, you're either filming an event or you've got talking heads, you've got interviews, you've got narrative, you've got a commentary on the soundtrack. So I think you're quite limited, but they're very well made. The last walks is great. And living in the material world, the George Harrison uh, documentary is very good as well. But again, you don't see that much of Scorsese. I would argue you don't see that much of any director on a documentary necessarily although they're very good they're very well put together obviously because you've still got the same instinct you've still got the the, the instincts of capturing a shot a feeling and a mood which you can do um, but yeah he, he does he does it very well does a lot of tv as well doesn't he i mean he directed um yeah. was it Ball, an episode of boardwalk empire I yeah think, and he, he? Well, he exactly produced boardwalk empire didn't he and um yeah yeah, he, he, I mean, this is what I, this is what I mean. He's, he's done so much more than just the gangster film, and I think we associate him with that because he basically perfected it, mastered it, mic drop better than anyone else. What's the point trying anymore, really? Mm. Um, and yet, has still found room for yeah, TV series, documentaries, concert films, kids' mm. film, uh, costume drama, sad, lonely man, lots of religion. He, He's doing it all, and he's moved with the times as well. I think he's made films that feel um, of their time in terms of just the way they're made as well. I mean, let's, the Irishman is cutting edge stuff, and it's on Netflix. Mm. You know, he's not, mm. and that you can argue it's a good thing or not, but he's someone I think who stayed relevant, not in terms of not in a sort of you know social political way, but in a he's just he's in the conversation. He's making films people want to see because I think a lot of directed about you know they either make films and a young person today you know a teenager who might not want to see their film you know or he might not like all that old film by that old guy you know yeah. but there's something about I remember growing <clears throat> up and people that were talking about his films that were coming out now that new film and, and you know mm. people who didn't realise who Martin Scorsese was and this is the same guy who captivated audiences in the 70s I mean, let's not forget, though, that Scorsese emerged on the scene at a time when there were other sort of young gun type directors that were also, yeah. you know, making a name for themselves. Because you also, Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, they all they all made their big breaks at roughly the same time. And something I never realised until recently was that Steven Spielberg did a lot of the editing on Taxi Driver, which is something I never yeah. knew. And they they actually swapped projects as well. Spielberg and Scorsese. They they were going. They um, Cape Fear uh, was going to be made by Spielberg, and Scorsese had the rights to Schindler's List, but they decided to swap projects, which I think is an interesting sort of um, yeah. turn of events. I would hate but- to see Spielberg's version of Cape Fear, but I would love to see Scorsese's <laughs> version of Schindler's List. Just Oscar Schindler well, yeah. because he's that man, he's that character, he's that alpha male character, and and he yeah. obviously goes through such an emotional spectrum within that movie. I'd love to see that. But, but isn't it funny though that, as I say, that they swap projects because it would have been 
more challenging and more exciting for the viewer to watch Scorsese filming Schindler's List mm. because Cape Fear is familiar territory for Scorsese, isn't it? Really, in a way. Mm. Um, but you know, the fact that they they did each other's projects, they should have kept their own projects at the time, just because they they were out of their comfort zone a bit more by keeping the project they had. Yeah, I can't imagine Martin Scorsese going out Oscar Schindler because he's he's not a bad... I don't know, but then it would have been kind of like Shutter Island if you think about it because, as we were talking about earlier, Teddy Daniels is not a bad guy. He's just involved mm. in bad circumstances and so he has to do things that are out of his comfort zone or do things that make him seem like a bad guy and obviously Oscar Schindler is in a circumstance that's very bad he has to act up to the Nazis so maybe if he had done Schindler's List it would have been his early Shutter Island you know yeah uh, I can't and watch Schindler's List too. it's too depressing it is really hard to watch it's an amazing film Schindler's List. oh I've watched uh, it maybe like once but I can't do it like I once it, was enough and I was like whoa I'm done it's 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 incredibly sad it's draining it's the sort of film yes, you can't that's watch the often. word yes yeah, draining. draining isn't it yeah it's draining but it would have been interesting to have seen Scorsese approaching the character of Oscar Schindler who was yeah. a good man a decent man he did a wonderful thing he risked his own life to save yeah. others and that is not a character he's ever portrayed in, in any of these films correct me if I'm wrong but I mean there's no one even close to Schindler no uh in a Scorsese film, not really. Yeah, and there are few what particularly good people in his films. That's the thing. He He's such a bitter man, Martin Scorsese. Is that what we're just he, establishing? He just hates everyone, yeah. Um, no, but what we're not discussing is um, he did a character voiceover on Shark's Tale. <laughs> he oh, did, Sykes. My, my favourite Let's lighten film. the tone away from the genocide of Jews to... When he did that voiceover on a shark's tail. I mean, look. Have he, you seen he that one, it. Brian? Because you said you've seen uh, every I've film. I've, se- I've seen it, yeah. Of course I've seen sharks. Why? I've but, never seen a shark's tail. Uh, look, I think it's great fun. Look, the bottom line is, did you enjoy any film? Any film you watch, bottom line's got to be, you know, how much did you enjoy it? How, how fulfilling was it? What did you get out of it? And if you had fun with something that you've seen, a director can step back and say, job done, can't mm. they? If you've enjoyed something, it doesn't matter how corny it is, how how poorly judged it is, you know, that it could be it doesn't have any depth at all, right? It could be it's got um, Martin Scorsese playing a, a puff adder or whatever he is with, with big eyebrows and they've tried to make him look like Scorsese, which is ridiculous. I know, but I bet you he enjoyed every second of it. Yeah, and Every also second. you get a lot of money doing voiceover. Oh stuff, yeah, there you? is that as well. There you is know? that as well. Yeah. You so know. you can't complain. Uh, All he's got to do is stand in a booth. It was probably a nice, chilled out, relaxing time. Yeah. I've never seen a shark's tail, but I'm looking at pictures now, and I've just noticed how they made Will Smith's sh- fish look like Will Smith. And... Yeah, they really went for it with the fish lookalikes. This is creeping I, me out. I can't look. Yeah, at it. I, th- I think that's the problem with it, though, is that they tried to make De Niro's fish. You know, he was a hammerhead shark, wasn't he, or something? But it, it still looks you know, like who it. the shark is? I was about to say, who's this big old shark I'm looking at? That's, oh my god, think... he's massive! <laughs> <laughs> this is creeping me out. You've seen this movie? This looks really freaky. I've seen this. Film. It's quite the music. The music. What do you think of it, Andy? I mean, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Oh right, okay. Um, the music's good as well. The music's good fun. They made it into a PlayStation 2 game, if anyone wants to know as well. That just pinged up. Oh, wow. 
Well, that's well. That's an endorsement. I don't know what it is. In v- um, eBay, let's go on eBay and buy it and play it. It looks good. <laughs> what, what do we think of, of Scorsese as an actor, though? Because he has, has had occasional roles in films, hasn't he? In his, well, in his own films, in fact. That's yeah. as well. I mean, he's in Taxi Driver, he is absolutely terrifying. He's really good in it. That wasn't supposed to be him, you know. Um, oh, right. In Taxi oh, Driver. It, did you, we know the bit I'm talking about, don't we? The, where he's in the back of the taxi. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's horrible. Um, and he... No, it was supposed to be... I don't know who it was supposed to be. I don't think it was supposed to be somebody famous. But it was supposed to be a, an actor who couldn't make it for whatever reason. And he said, oh, I'll do it. Um, and it's like just worryingly good in a way. It's just quite... Yeah, it's too good. It's too be- yeah, it's too good, isn't it? It's too yeah. believable. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I thought we know. were going to think he was kind of like Stephen King, where he was like, uh, you just pop in every now and then on one of his movies for fun. Like, well, I he does do he that actually... as well. He's got, I, I wrote an article, actually, once about Martin Scorsese's cameos. Um, and he, he's been in a lot of his films, often just in the background. Um, um, but sometimes, he's, he's on a phone, the Mean Streets, in Mean Streets, at the start of it, I think he's in it as well, but at the start of Mean Streets, that voice that uh, you don't make up for your sins in church, you make you do it in the mm. streets. Mm. That's not Harvey Keitel, that's Mark Scorsese who does the voiceover mm. at the start. Oh. And I think I was although it's not really Harvey Keitel's voice, I just assumed it was because it's the it's his face and you know. Um mm. but it's actually Scorsese himself that does that. He's on the phone, I think, in another film. Um yeah, it's quite interesting. I, I, actually, it's all over them. Yeah, I, I think look, if you're directing a film, I guess I suppose you think to yourself, "It's my film. Why can't I be in it? You know, yeah. why can't I, I feature in it in some way?" But I do kind of you know, like it though. It's kind of like a little fun Easter egg, isn't it? It's like you know, as I said, finding Stephen King in his movies, isn't it? you know, because he's always in them and he's famous for that little little cameo bit. Yeah. In it. I like it when directors pop in and out. Doesn't Quentin Tarantino do it occasionally? Yeah, well, or just yeah, just pretend that he's. Yeah, he pretends he can act as well, doesn't he? Well, but the worst thing with, with Tarantino, though, in his acting roles, is that he has a fairly big part in the, in, in a lot of his films. Yeah. Well, not a lot of them, but in Reservoir Dogs and Pulp yeah. Fiction. Yeah. He had a fairly sizable part and really plainly can't act to save his life. No, can he? Not, he can't act. Not, really. not really. No, he's really bad in From Dust Till Dawn as well. I felt bad for George Clooney. His back must have hurt from carrying that movie by the end of it. <laughs> Jesus, but I like From Dust Till Dawn. That's a good. That's a that's a rubbish uh, film. That's but, good. But there's my point. There's my shot. Exactly what point. you said earlier. Yeah. Have yeah. you enjoyed it? Have you and enjoyed Selma it? Selma Hayek, sexy in that as well. There we oh, go. Yeah. It's a reason to watch it. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah, I love yeah. that scene. <laughs> that's a hot scene. Let's cast Selma Hayek as well in my movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll Fair put on. her in. We'll chuck her in for good measure. She can dance around in the background with Norman Reedus. Oh, okay. To the Macarena. There we go. Well, all we need now is a script, don't we? Eh? Why is it on every podcast I either talk about how sexy people are or I'm coming up with movies? Maybe I shouldn't be a film critic and I should yeah, just well, be some kind of telescopic Hollywood pervert well, may- who is trying to make it in the business. Maybe you have a script somewhere in your psyche, Rachel. Uh, it's oh, just waiting to come out. Brian, you don't know. But I explained this to Andy and he didn't agree with me. 
Because she just thought I had a dream about Robert Carlyle, but I dreamed up oh. 28 weeks later, before 28 weeks no. later was even made. Yeah, and right. then Andy was just like, you just had a dream with Robert Carlyle in it. I was like, I dreamed up a movie. <laughs> so they're in my psyche. And I also came up with The Matrix way before The Matrix was even a thing. But no one believes me. But I did. You should have done something about it, Rachel. You know, someone stole your thunder there. You could have been I was rich, a child, now. Brian. I was a child oh. and I was thinking about The Matrix. And That's then no excuse. I didn't child. know me and Robert Carlyle made a movie <laughs> before Robert Carlyle went off and made that movie with someone else. I was oh. very upset. No one's it's, paid me any money. It's not good enough, you know, Rachel. It's not oh. good enough. It Next really time isn't. I have a really capital dream, I'm going to write it and sell Write it down. Write yeah. it down. What do you think, Andy? Write it down. Write it down. We could all be rich one day. Yeah, I mean, I stand um, by it. Rachel just had a dream that had Robert Carlyle in it. But... Andy, it was the entire opening scene of 28 Weeks Later. That's not just a... If it, if it was just me and Robert Carlyle in a dream, we might have gone to, like, Disneyland or something, which would have been a nightmare within <laughs> it itself. But that's not the point. you saw 28 Weeks Later. No, because I've never seen it. I had to turn off Ooh. the film, Andy, because they, they stole it. And I was like, I can't oh. see any more of this. You've robbed me. <laughs> okay. I was very upset. I um, also haven't seen it. I saw 20, 28 Days Later, of course, but not 28 Weeks Later. Um, Either way, I'm traumatised because mm, I didn't get yeah. any money from it. And Robert Carlyle's rich and I'm poor. Yeah. Injustice. We like Robert Carlyle. It's not then. fair. It's just not like fair. I'm having such white people first world problems right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, My headset didn't work. Robert Carlyle hasn't given me any money. Jesus. That is quite a Anything else? problem, actually. Uh, oh, no, I'm all right apart from that. I can't complain. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. So, apparently, um, future projects for Scorsese, he's making yeah. a... Is it a film or a, or a series about Roosevelt? I think is it's a right? film with DiCaprio. It's a film. Yeah. Oh, Dica- My ears have peaked up. Did you say DiCaprio <clears throat> as he ages into his late forties, meaning he's even more sexier than ever? Oh, um, playing Roosevelt. Playing Roosevelt, Andy. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy. Well, Teddy I Roosevelt. No, all I know is it's about Teddy Roosevelt, and DiCaprio's in it. I don't know that he is uh, Teddy Roosevelt, um, oh, but I know who he is in it. Yeah, it's not. I think I think it's about Teddy, not Franklin. Oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, Gosh. no, I think he is playing him. That's, I think he is playing him. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think he must. Be. I mean, you wouldn't cast someone like like DiCaprio if you didn't have him in a leading role. He's that kind of actor. Oh, well, yeah, really? exactly. Yeah, um, he's like Tom Cruise, isn't he? If you're going to cast him, he's going. You're going to cast him in a. Yeah, leading I actually role. can't think of where where I've seen him not other than his early career, where I've seen him not in the lead role. Really, he's not like a Brad mm. Pitt. With Brad Pitt's great. In their supporting role, Brad Pitt's supporting roles are amazing, um, as evident by his supporting actor Oscar. Yeah, we seem to specialise in those roles, didn't we? I mean, Brad Pitt, I thought was brilliant in Thelma and Louise, and he was hardly in it, but he yeah, yeah. he's in romance. I mean, the Ocean's films, obviously, nobody's really a lead in that. Well, maybe George Clooney, but they're ensembles, yeah. aren't they? And he's just so charming in them. He's in yeah, he's in the um, he produces a lot, doesn't he? Of course. Um, yeah as well like he's he's just got his his hands all over everything but he's not been in any Martin Scorsese films is that no I was just thinking he's not no, no I don't think I don't think he has so but... why are we talking about um yeah um he has produced no I'm seeing there he did produce The Departed he helped oh I Departed. never knew that yeah he did yeah he's won two Oscars huh. so he's won two best picture Oscars as a producer for The Departed and for 12 Years of Slave Congratulations, well done, Brad Pitt. Congratulations, yeah. well done. Um, I think we've covered most. Of it. I mean, there's, there's things we haven't discussed much, but 
we've talked about a lot of this and Brian, you've seen all of his films. Mm. So my question was going to be to everyone, which Scorsese film have you not seen that you're now going to go and watch? So it is for me, um, Rachel, for Brian, it's which one are you going to go and watch again? Right. Okay. Yeah. Which one would I see again? I think it would be Bringing Out the Dead. Mm. Yay! That, because that's a film of Scorsese's that I think I've only ever seen once. I think all the others I've seen at least twice at some point. You know, I mean, look, you know when you go out, when you watch a film, you go out and see it at the cinema, right? Mm. You, if it's a good film, you've really enjoyed it, you'll watch it when it comes on, on Sky, right? And then if it's a film you really, really like, you'll see the entire film again as you're channel hopping. You come in from mm. the pub yeah. and you're channel hopping and you see the first 10 minutes, the middle half an hour, the last half an hour. So I think on that basis, um, Bringing Out the Dead is the only f- Scorsese film I've ever seen once completely. But it doesn't get shown that often anyway. I don't think you'll find it that easily. It is on, um, this is one actually, a tip for everyone, it's on Disney+. Plus. That'll be sick. It is. Um, Are you no, trying to I, tell I, me that I had to stream it off the internet and this whole time it was on stupid Disney Plus? It's on Disney Plus. It went on when <laughs> it went on when when they did the, you know the Star stuff. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's on Disney Plus. So that's a tip for everyone. I think I might go bringing out the dad dead as well. Dad, bring out the dad. Um, bring out, bring dead out as your well. dad. I've always been very intrigued by the Age of Innocence as well, um, but I think it's probably for me because it's so egregious I haven't seen it probably got to be The Departed I think um, it's worse that you haven't seen The Wolf of Wall Street because maybe, if there's anything yeah. you get to see more sexy ladies and there's drugs and, um, and what more the do fat I want? guy in it Jonah Hill I think is it and you know he's mm. really funny in it and he wears tortoiseshell glasses and has sex with his cousin I think that's the best choice of movie oh and there's a Lamborghini Countach limited edition in it that's a good car oh, right there you go Wolf of mm. Wall Street Right, and Rachel, Kuntosh. which one have you not seen that you're now going to go and watch? <sighs> oh, there's so many. Um, Probably The Irishman. I will do it. I'll sit through it. As I said, I'll do probably around 100 Rubik's Cubes during that time so that I don't have a breakdown <laughs> because of my ADD, which is just really annoying. But, um, you know, yeah, I'll give it a bash. I won't be judgmental against the gangster movies. We all like Scarface. Let's go for it. I'll, uh, I'll try it out. Lovely. Clickety-clack Rubik's Cube noises. Mm, fantastic. I can do that because I'm wearing many rings. It would sound like a Rubik's Cube. I'm just wearing a lot of rings to feel powerful. <laughs> is, it always a, is it always a Rubik's Cube, Rachel, that you use? You know, you never use anything else? Is it I just, I've got like all like clickers and weird things ah, that my therapist okay. gave me and stuff oh, like okay. that. I can't focus. My brain wants to do 40 things at once all mm. the time. Oh, and it's really yeah. tiring. <laughs> Yeah. So when I'm at work, I'll do one task, but then I'm starting another task in the middle of that task, and I go back to another task, and then I'm doing another task. But when I'm watching (laughs) a movie, if it's the right amount of time frame, it's probably the only time where I sit still. Ah, okay. Which is really weird. But if it goes on for longer than maybe an hour and 40 minutes, I start to get like, I need to paint the ceiling kind of attitude. (laughs) (laughs) And walk the dog at the same time. Jesus Christ, everything's happening. It kind of gets like that. But I can actually. Yeah, if it's like a if it's the right time frame, I'm actually quite content watching a movie, which really confuses my therapist. <laughs> well, one hour forty though, I think is about right for most films. Though. Yeah, 
It's a good time you know, frame. Lord of the Rings I, is stressful as anything for me. Jesus Christ. But when when a film gets into two hours, two and a half hours, then three, You're then it's it. got to be something pretty special, I think, for you yeah. to, to to hold your attention. What do you think, Andy? To hold yeah, your that, attention I, I for think that. that. But I also think um, that Scorsese is a master of that. I think Martin Scorsese is one of those few directors that I look at it and I look at his, I look at, I have, you see a film of his and I look at the runtime and I think, oh, that's quite long. And I'm like, actually, nah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine with that. Because so, and someone else, I look at it and I'm like, oh God, two hours, two and a half hours of this. Yeah. but That's very true. A lot of his films, they do they do peak the two hour mark. I even think Shutter Island but, and Wolf of Wall Street's nearly yeah, three. quite a lot um, of his really go over yeah. it. But actually, like, I'm just don't like, you know what? It. I am having such a good time. Yeah. And yeah. we've had quite a serious discussion at times about all the themes and everything going on in his films, but it's all just so fun in a way. They he are funny, even if they're fun. bleak. Yeah, they're fun and funny and so entertaining. We all like to see, you know, a bit of murder going on. Um, sexy, sexy murder. Yeah. So I think <laughs> on that note, um, I think we've in- completely comprehensively covered Martin Scorsese in a way that no one else could have done. And mm. there's no more that ever needs to be said about him. And people mm-hmm. should not even bother because we've done it all, I think. So... On that note, it's goodbye from me. It is goodbye from Rachel. Goodbye. Goodbye. And goodbye from Brian. Goodbye. We look forward to speaking to you another time, listener. Um, From the UK Film Review Podcast, that is all. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.